Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast with Neil and Paddy again. We're back to you for a very quick one. There's been a lot of rumblings and shakings. Uh, the door, if you if you were to believe any of the rumors, the hinges are nearly knocked off the door in Villa Park at the moment. There's been so many people coming in and out for uh, talks, for discussions, for... They've been to 10 different restaurants at this, at this stage. Uh, the company account is bled dry because the expenses account from taking everyone to dinner uh, to try and wind them and dine them but Villa uh, are well and truly in the thick of the transfer window and that's what we're going to have a quick chat to you about today as always as I say I am ably assisted by the wonderful mountain of knowledge Paddy is here again today Paddy Kelly how are you keeping? Not too bad Neil and yourself? It's Friday Paddy I'm not going to lie I've been waiting for Friday <laughs> Um, for a while this week, so I'm delighted. I don't know what it is about this week. It just seems to have dragged on and on and on. So I'm glad it's Friday too. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this Friday. I think it's uh, I think the weather's supposed to be nice here in Ireland. So, uh, but it won't matter because I'm going to be stuck in front of the TV watching sport as per usual. <laughs> don't really care. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like I suppose Sky Sports news. When we're flicking through, we're hoping to see the, the yellow banner at the bottom. Uh, bring up some Aston Villa news over the course of the next few days. And uh, yesterday, was it was it yesterday? Yesterday, Matty Cash was, signed? Yeah. Jeez, yeah. It, it, like, that even seems like it was like Monday or Tuesday when he signed. There's just been so much information has come out in the last 24 hours. But Sir Matthew of Cash, um, former uh, Nottingham Forest player, um, dashing right back, has uh, signed for Aston Villa. Five-year deal. And uh, apparently it was a case of when he found out that Aston Villa were the one for him. He didn't want to speak to anyone else at the dance. And 
What are your views on that, Paddy? How do you find what what what's your thought process, I suppose, with Matty Cash? Well, what you said there, he, he, his soundings all sound good and proper for me. Um, I know his father was a, a decent enough footballer and carved out a decent career for himself. Was from up around um, the West Midlands. So I think he was Tamworth, was he? Or did he play with Tamworth uh, or something like that? that direction. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not overly sure. He was on Forest Books at one stage, but didn't actually play for Forest. So, uh, I um I actually it brought a smile to see his eleven family members there when he was I signing like on yesterday. Too. I think I think that's really nice, and I think I think it's important to have such a big occasion in your life and have the people that matter to you around you. So, um, it was really nice to see, and um, he sounds really really delighted to be here. Which I know I know he says it was a dream to play in the Premier League. He didn't say his dream was to play for Aston Villa, but. Once he heard Villa were in for them, he was very happy. I'm sure it's easy for him to be able to uh, to commute from home and and still, you yeah, know, probably not not move the family around or whatever. So, fingers crossed, it's a uh, it's a positive move for him and obviously for us, it's a lot of money, um, you know, and that's the um, that's the elephant in the room. It's just a little bit worrying that the money was spent, but. Uh, I'm genuinely I'm happy I'm happy that he's there I wish him all the best and obviously hope that he uh, he turns into um, a really good signing for us. Yeah, I'm the same and and uh, I, look, uh, I've spoken to um, a couple of guys as I mentioned. I've spoken to a couple of um, of Forest fans and uh, you know the the word and, and you see it everywhere. The Forest, Forest fans are a great bunch. In fairness, they know that. Look, listen, they've been in the in in the championship for long enough now they can't really stop their players from going um go up to the premier league and all for all but for a, a goal difference situation they could have been in the premier league and held on to him it's very much kind of a situation a kind of an almost a jack Grealish light for us last year but we felt that if we didn't get to the premier league we would have lost jack Grealish, and they were the same if they get to the premier league they keep a player like matty cash and unfortunately you know goal difference and the, and the, the football gods were just so so badly against them that they didn't get there and then they did lose their prized asset or one of their prized assets i suppose last year but the guys from the 1865 forest ramble podcast um i reached out to the, to the guys as well just to see what they what, what they they had to say and uh, they came back with saying that he was deservedly player of the season best right back we've had in ages even though he only started playing there last season he's great at attacking especially on the overlap his crossing has improved and he's gotten better at defending after a slightly shaky start which is to be uh, which is to be expected considering it was his first year playing at right back he should definitely be able to step up to the Premier League level and seems like a bloody good lad to boot um, I asked then, I asked the guys if maybe there was an opportunity for him to move to centre midfield and they felt that he could move there but his, his style and athleticism is more suited to, the, to a wide position. Um, he's not quite good enough to be a winger as such but uh, they think the right back could be a very, very good position for him or will be a very good position for him and he's proven to be, to be perfect in that position at the championship level. Um, but if, they, if he was to be a central midfielder, he would definitely have to play him in kind of an old-style uh, box-to-box central midfielder. Um, and I hate to hear box-to-box central midfielder. Even though I loved him, I hate to hear them because the first name that comes to my mind is Mark Kinsler and I hope Matty Cash is indefinitely better than, uh, than Mark Kinsler. 
there. But, uh, well, he's a whole, a whole lot of time to improve anyway. So uh, we had exactly. to be young, and that's that seems to be exactly. what we were Yeah, it's interesting. I I actually listened to a Nottingham Forest fan on one of the talk radios today, and a good friend of mine's an Nottingham Forest fan, and he can't see the midfield. Um, he didn't. He, I don't think he played there at all last season. He he played a couple no. of games the season before. Yeah. Um, but he can't see it being a midfield option for us. Um, but apparently, his crossing has come on leaps and bounds. He's decent delivery. Um, but you know the way I see it, if we're keeping Gilbert, it's it's either going to keep him on the periphery of the first team, or are they going to play either him or? Kil- or Gilbert White in the right, which, judging by re- reading what I've read about Matty Cash, would suggest that Gilbert will, will play further forward, if that's the way of thinking. Um, there's so many combinations of permutations to think about, but uh, I just thought it was an unusual um, position to be strengthening in. Um, obviously not knowing if that's going to open the door for one of the others to leave, but uh, time will tell on that one. But, you know, let's let's sit back and see now and see where where he ends up. Yeah, and and I'm all for moving Gilbert up a bit forward. Uh, one of my biggest, like I won't say criticisms, but one of my biggest feelings about Gilbert was that uh, he wanted to be up there anyway. You know, that's where he wanted to be. He wanted to be playing little layoff passes in around the box. He wanted to be getting down to the byline. Uh, yes, he does have that crunch and tackle, but if you look at his crunch and tackles, it's normally from a position of trying to recover uh, his recover defensive ball, duty yeah. again. Yeah, which is fine. I've no problem with that. It's It, it looks great, and it's a nice crunching tackle. Uh, Matty Cash has a good bit about that about him as well. And I think the two of them could be interchangeable as well. Um, we're not in the position where we can have... Uh, against every single team in the league where we can have a guy who does 10 step-overs or a guy that's predominantly a winger. And look, I'm all for if we can find a way of getting Freddie Gilbert into that team as well. Why not? Absolutely, why not? I don't think it's an either-or situation here. It would be quite silly for us to have an either-or situation to buy somebody to create a hole in the squad. Last year, the biggest problem was we had 16 Premier League players and of those 16 Premier League players, three of them were goalkeepers. And that's a stretch, really, I suppose, with Orin, with uh, Nealand as well. That maybe he was, maybe he wasn't a Premier League player. I don't really know. But like that's that's where we are. So buying somebody doesn't immediately create a hole. And I think that that's uh, that's probably a lazy assumption to make. Now watch them go and sell Gilbert for five million to Leon uh, <laughs> later on this evening. But yeah, Matty Cash, welcome aboard. We've got you for five years. These are going to be five of your most productive years. And uh, really delighted to see what see what comes of uh, of all that talent in an Aston Villa shirt. We have Callum Wilson is on the radar. Uh old Brucey boy seems to be uh seems to be sniffing around the same the same players as we do, but there's nothing really new there where I suppose we are that's that's <coughs> that's that's where we're shopping. We're all shopping out of the same shop, I suppose really. But Callum Wilson, there's been talks of a thirteen million pound bid with add-ons up to something like eighteen million today, but uh Bournemouth are holding out for seventeen flat fee. What's your views on Callum Wilson? Are you excited by him? Is he a meh signing or what way is it? Um well like he scored goals in a mediocre Bournemouth team. Um you know, I've been crying out for us to buy Premier League standard players and I think he's proved he can do it at that level. Um, consistently, no, but I think when you're a striker, a lot depends on who's around you. And 
they were. I know, I know I hate saying they're, they're mediocre because they beat us twice last season, but they are a mediocre side, Bournemouth. You know, they were, they're, you know, 17 million for their star striker seems really, really cheap. Um, would I be disappointed if we signed them? Absolutely not for that money. Would I be, you know, going out and getting drunk and be very happy? <laughs> Probably not either. It's It would be, in my view, it would be a decent signing. But I would I would hope he wouldn't be our marquee striker signing this summer because I think we aim need to aim a little bit higher and I don't mean that in any way a derogatory way I think you know I think we need two strikers and yeah, yeah. I I'd be I'd be happy enough if he was one of them. I I think that kind of sums up. I think it really comes down to the price point for me and I kind of flip flopped over tweets during the week and stuff like that where I really don't give a shit what, what teams play for for players anymore but I think this one I don't know for whatever reason has me being a full on 100% hypocrite because the only thing that really kind of irks me with this one is the price point of when people were talking about 20-25 million for him um, like he has been productive, he's a 1-3 in three record, I know a lot of people say about injuries and a lot of people say that we need a striker that can get double goal, uh, that can get uh, uh, you know, double digits in a season and so on. And that's absolutely all valid, 100%. Can't disagree with that. And as you said, if he's part of a two-striker uh, kind of combo that are brought in with an Ollie Watkins, absolutely fantastic. I don't think anybody should be very disappointed with that because I think that the, the viability of, the striker, uh, of our striking team will be probably buoyed and will be increased by the creativity that maybe some wingers that we bring in will have uh, also. Um, I think we'll get, we'll, the one really cool thing, or not cool thing, but one really strange thing, should I say, that, that I saw our, our interesting um, kind of correlation that I saw with Callum Wilson is that if you look at Danny Ying's um, record of, and Danny Ying's had, had some horrible injuries as well and came back and had the season that he had last season with Southampton, uh, yes, Danny Ings is a different type of striker, mm-hmm. Danny, but Danny Ings is roughly the same age, had roughly uh, had, had massive injuries at roughly the same time in his career. But their trajectory... Yeah, I, don't, I don't really buy into it. I don't buy into the, the old, oh, what about the injuries? Because we wouldn't assign Tyrone Mings if that was the case. Yeah. You know, yeah, sometimes you have to gamble. It's, um, and, and more often than not, it's not, an, not a gamble. It's about... You know, well, obviously, if somebody is plagued with a hamstring injury that keeps repeating, then you'd be asking questions. But yeah, um, no, that doesn't wash with me. But, but and and you get it all the time. Oh, you know, it's always injured. Sure, if that's the case, we wouldn't have signed Paul McGrath or first player ever. You know, because he struggled with injuries. Yeah. So you know, we got him in. We managed his injuries. Um, God bless Jim Barron for managing his injuries mm. back then. And you know, you can't, you can't like. You can't live that way. You need to, you need to take a gamble. And personally, I think he's worth a gamble. Um, I saw him in the flesh this season. Um, it seems like five years ago at this stage, the day Bournemouth beat us at Villa Park. And what impressed me about him was that he showed a good bit of leadership qualities. Because where I sit in the whole end is, is, quite, is seven or eight rows in the front. You could actually hear him barking out instructions and telling them where he wants the ball and pointing into certain areas and when he wasn't getting in those certain areas it wasn't that he was berating people he was just explaining you know you could see him interacting with, with his midfielders and, and having the chats so the man knows what he wants he's more than capable of uh, 
standing up for himself and telling them where he wants the ball delivered. So um, if we can get the right players around him and play to his strengths, he'll score goals for us without a doubt. He, and even with Danny Ings, his career trajectory of when he scored the goals, the level he scored them, and when he took the step up, even to international football, when he, you know, it's so, it's eerily similar that the path that their, um, that their goals, the path that their, uh, that their, that their trajectory, their career trajectory has, um, is, is eerily, eerily, eerily similar. Like it's, it's, it's freakish to be honest with you. Um, um, how similar that they that they have. So look, I'm not saying that he's going to go out and bag 25 goals in the Premier League. He he quite possibly could if we changed our formation. But for people to turn around and say he, he was relegated, he was shit last year, scored only seven goals or whatever it was in in the league last year. Completely different system, completely different set of players around him, can different completely different motivation and uh, style with regards to management. It's horses for courses, different systems, different players, different um, you know, different. Uh, even even different dimensions of a flipping field, like the different dimensions of the field, playing in, in Villa Park might actually suit him as well better. You just mm-hmm. don't know. You don't know what difference it will make. So I'm always very very reluctant to turn around and say, um, you know, Jesus, the, this guy won't be a hit because you just like even if we get two years out of him for 15, 16, 17 million, if we get two years of double digit goals out of him or three years of double digit goals out of him, he'll go down as a legend. For Aston Villa, Absolutely. that's that's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for this guy. I'm okay with spending uh, 17, 16, 15, 16, 17 million on a guy for three years. If you if you break it down and you're spending six million, if you're spending six million on three different strikers every different year and getting the same amount of goals, people would have no problem with that and sending them on. So if you spend six million on a striker year one, sold him on. Spend six million on a different striker year two, sold him on. Six million on a different striker year three, and sold him on. You know, people would have no problem with that. They probably actually give out about us being a selling club. And what I'm saying here is that if you get in a guy, system suits him, manager wants him, he feels loved, he starts banging in goals, and all I want him to get is if he gets to ten goals, he's going to be a, he's going to be one of our um, our highest ever uh, Premier League uh, goal scorers in in a, in the season. You know, yeah. so that's that's where we are. That's where we are. That's where we've been. We need people yeah. who can put put the ball in the back of the net. 10 times a season, and then we need to be able to say that they're well worth whatever we paid for, regardless of the market you, 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 want, you want to see your, your, your goals coming from strikers. You know, you can't be relying on centre-halves coming up for headers or Connor delivering free kicks. And Obviously, this, this stuff is great, but the, you know, your main projection needs to be that you, you're getting the ball into the box for strikers to score or you're feeding them through balls in the edge of the box, whatever the case may be, wherever they score from. Your strikers has to be your uh, your number one outlet for scoring goals, yep. um, which which he does. He scores goals, and that's that's what we need. Ali Watkins, we won't spend too much time in him because I feel that we've spoken about probably him more yeah. than anybody else. And everybody's and sick of him at this stage. Well, I, I don't I don't know. Sick of him is it? Just want him to sign. It's just like it's like when you pull out the the Argos catalog or the Smiths catalog. People here in our in in the UK might know about uh, about Smiths, but in Ireland we've got a a Smith superstore. And it, when you're a kid, you pull out the Smiths catalog in August, and you you'd start marking off what you want to get from Santa Claus. And then, like you still had three months to wait. That's kind of where we are with Ollie Watkins. We either want in or out at this stage. You want to know if we're getting him or not, and then if we can move on, I think. But uh, yeah, Ollie Watkins. Yeah. Well, I think, I be, think for want of a better phrase, it's time to shit or get off the pot with Ollie Watkins. Yeah, because yeah. We, we can't we can't afford to be messing around with that one and be left 
in a situation where yes. we have been a number of transfer windows with no strikers. So um, I would be calling Brentford's bluff at this stage if if they're the, if they're fighting over two, three, four million, whatever it is. You know, just say, you know, you can have this. We can come to such agreement, or we'll move on. And I because think I, I think that I'm sure they'll want to sell. It. I'm sure they'll want to sell too because that's big money for their, for a club like Brentford. The club is worth sixty million. And essentially, their two biggest assets, they want more or less the value of their club for, for between Ben Rama and Ali Watkins. Not quite 60 million, but anywhere between 48 and 50, I think is what they're looking for. 45 and 50, they're looking for the two of them because it came out today that Ben Rama, they're looking for 20 million. And I think potentially Villa are frustrated. Villa would like to buy both players, I think. I, I don't think that's a secret, but mm-hmm. I, think what they're, I think they're kind of frustrated at the dragging the heels in the, in the valuation of... Um, and I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't pay what, 28 million or whatever, but I think that potentially what's happened here is that the, va- that the, that the price tag has gone up and uh, it's been kind of maybe unclear kind of, kind of negotiation, I think, since day one yeah, with Ali Watkins. Um, and I think potentially that they're just kind of dragging their heels on side Ben Rama as well. But then again, I do have uh, a theory as well that, that Ben Rama doesn't um, transfer to the Premier League and uh, as well as we would hope that he would or we would think he would, um, given that he's a 25-year-old player that's only really kind of turned it on the last two years in, in, in the yeah. championship. But there could be a theory in that as well. You know, I, I would love to have both of them. I would love to rock up to Brentford and say, listen, there's 42 million. It's it's worth over sixty six percent of the value of your whole club. Take it and go away. Yeah. And you know you've got a new stadium. I think so. And you've got you've got a new stadium, and you've got more money than anybody else in the championship. Just go away, spend but they, it. And, they could be. We don't know what's going on in the negotiations. They could be. Yeah, saying, of course. We could be. We could be looking for these guys to get us promoted next year. So they're hanging around. It's. Uh, and they probably the, the need it with the new stadium. They probably they probably have banked in and said, "Listen, we need we need to get promoted soon." The one fear I have with Ollie Watkins is the longer this drags on, um, we could end up in a Neil Mopai situation where we wanted to sign him, we were in to sign him, we negotiated, and then somebody else came in and took him. So if he wants if he wants him, go get him. You know, we we have to we have to empty the wallet this year. I think I really think we do. Otherwise. We're, we're in a bit of trouble. So, yeah. um, my opinion would be: if you want Callum Wilson, pay it. If you want, if you want Ollie Watkins, pay yeah. it. If you want Benarama, pay it. You know, it, I, I, I would be more than happy. You know, there's a couple of other players you'd like to bring in, but if they signed all of them, that really improves us as a team. So, you know, if if they if they come in, if you if you said to me you can't bring in anyone else other than them. I'd kind of go, yeah, okay, that might be enough to to push us on a bit, and then we build on it year on year. Obviously, I'd like to go out and go to blank check book and sign yeah. sign a load of world class players, but that, that's great. not going to happen straight away. But you know, if you said we can have them now, would you be would you be happy with that for this transfer window? I'd go, yeah, no problem. We may need to, to buy more in January, but for this transfer window, that might be just enough to get us through till uh, till Christmas. Yeah. I agree, and, and uh, for those on Twitter that like to equate this to, well, you know, you you st- held firm to your guns with Jack Grealish's pricing of whatever we wanted, eighteen million, whatever it was. I think the difference here is more or less is, is likely the structure of payments, especially the Callum Wilson piece. It seems to be a structure of payments. They wanted seventeen million upfront. We were offered something like eighteen to twenty, you know, over time, 
and and they wanted actually less money but just wanted it up front and i think villa will come to some sort of an agreement on that i think that was just that's just posturing on both teams that you have to do and um, i think more so with the ali watkins thing i think I think it kind of became conflated or convoluted, should I say, because they were probably bidding on both players at the time. And and then they probably said, right, we don't want Ben Ram. And then the price of Ali Watkins went up and it just got a, got a bit uh, a bit messy, I suppose, from that side of things. But I'm fully sure that we see Ali Watkins in the Villa shirt. I'm fully sure we see Callum Wilson in the Villa shirt. I would even go so far as to say we would see both of them. We could see both of them in the Villa shirt before next Monday. No, in the no, as I say, I'm a KFA, I know fuck all, but I I just have uh, um I just have a feeling. Just have a feeling. Just like that morning I woke up during the week and I said, uh, I have a feeling we're gonna sign somebody today, or a feeling we're gonna be gonna be heavy linked, I have a bit accepted for somebody today. Um I just have that feeling again that, that it's gonna be like London buses that we get to at the same time. Mm. Um we're going to need someone to score goals at one end, Paddy, but we're also going to need someone to stand in goals at the other end and stop them. And there's yeah. been names that have been bandied around and rumoured, and, and I was always of the opinion that we were not going to have our goalkeeper on the roster at the moment um, within the squad, that we were always going to bring him in from outside. Um, Romero, Sergio Romero is, uh, is there, and also Paul Gazanaga from uh, Spurs was linked today as well. Uh, don't know any pricing on Paul Gaznaga, but I can imagine once again with Daniel Levy, you're not going to get. He's going to say eight million for Romero, eight million for Gaznaga. Yeah, absolutely. You're not going to get him for mm-hmm. half nothing anyway. Um, a lot you of people need a high price for a goalkeeper either in in, yeah. in this in the current market. So um, they're both equally able to play second fiddle to Tom Heaton, which I would imagine that's what will happen when he's fit. Um, we just need to be able to have a keeper in there until he's ready and obviously to cover him and play, you know, Carabao Cup games or whatever the case may be. Um a little bit worried that there's a bit of staleness about Romero. Um, you know, Gazanaga may be a bit more hungrier, I think, than Romero. But look, if either came in, I wouldn't be too upset. Um, I think we I think we're resigned to the fact that he, he doesn't trust what we have there. Um, if it was me, I would have said this a number of times on the podcast, I'd give Nyland a shout because I think there's a, a really good goalkeeper in there. We just haven't uh, we haven't brought him out of himself yet. But look, it's it's eight million, it's not a huge outlay. It's it's even madness that I'm saying eight million isn't a huge outlay, but it isn't in in, in the current transfer market, it's not. So um whatever whatever they've got it. You know, I wouldn't be going too much more than that because you're signing a backup goalkeeper potentially, and hopefully we will have um, Heaton back sooner rather than later because I think we were a lot more comfortable with him there, and I, I look forward to see a more comfortable defence with him behind it as well, yeah. um, which we didn't have in the period between January and March. So, um, hopefully, you know that Heaton is back. They're saying he'll miss three games. That brings us into early October, so um and there are three games that we could potentially go and get points out of, so we'd hate to lose out on that as well. So, you know, have a goalkeeper that the manager trusts, that the players trust around them and get in and, and uh get a few results out of it early on. But uh I'd be I'd be I'd be happier with Gazanaga, is that how you pronounce it? I think so. <laughs> yeah, I've seen him a couple of times. Um really competent goalkeeper he's not that old either is he 
don't know. I imagine he's in his thirties. I know he was with Southampton. Was he in his thirties? Bogazinaga. Is that it? Yeah, Gazaniga, maybe. That might be how you pronounce mm. it. I, I actually don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, he's 28. 20, 28, yeah. 28. That's not too bad. Not too bad, is right. Yeah, considering that uh, Romero is 33. Uh, but, like, you know, you have to, like, you can't disassociate the fact that Sergio Romero is, in all the years of Argentinian football, he is the highest cap goalkeeper of all time. And considering that he was still being capped by Argentina, even though he was playing bit parts at Manchester United, Romania. is yeah. it says a Tells lot you what about, it's all him. about really. Yeah. yeah, it says it says an awful lot about him being, uh, you know, a dependable player, a good player. And look, I, I'm quite sure he was being capped by Diego Maradona, so I give nutcases are taken to him and uh, and picking him and seeing something in him as well. Um, <laughs> then that's a that that can be seen as a positive too, you know, if even. The wild-minded of people can see that he's a good goalkeeper. Then that, that to me, is a good point too. But uh, yeah, he's 33 years of age. He's only played something like 60 games in the last eight years. Um, and there's some crazy statistic there. And I know that I'm going to get panned because what was what teams was he where he play, was he playing against? What was the level of opposition? But he has something like a, a 60% or a 70% clean sheet record in that t- that period of time. Yeah. Which is mental, uh, absolutely crazy altogether. And his save percentage is up there. But once again, if it's me and you kicking the ball at him, I'd be expecting him to save the ball. So they can be conflu- conflated uh, statistics also. Uh, that really kind of brings it for what we know of. Oh no, there is one guy as well. Another guy, a tricky winger. Actually, there was two tricky wingers. Paddy, there was two more tricky wingers. And I should have mentioned these in the same breath as Watkins and Ben Rama. Uh, two more championship guys again. Well, one played in the championship, and it looks like he's gone to West Brom now, but Grady Diangana, uh, I think that's how you pronounce his surname again. Anyway, um, tricky left winger, uh, young, 21 years of age. Literally, the sky is the limit with his potential. Um, West Ham player played with West Brom last year, scored uh, scored eight goals. Um, has the has a bit of a go of Damari Gray, plus about him um i did a I, I was looking at his statistics and what i could see is he kind of sits somewhere between a nathan redmond and a stephen burgoyne and that's his that's his uh his output at the moment which for me is good because i take either nathan redmond or stephen burgoyne in this team for absolutely certain um but do you know anything about him grady dean gana um i just saw him play a couple of times last season he, very tricky very um very different to what we have at the moment. Um, unpredictable would be a way of describing him. Um, would I take him? Yes. But looking like we may have uh, missed out on that one. But uh, you never know until there's, there's paper signed. So <laughs> it could be a possibility. But um, yeah, I, I would be happy enough with it. But a signing like that, he looked completely different than anything we've... Mm-hmm. We've had before, and you know, I can't, I can't remember as ever having a player like other than Jack who does it a bit deeper. Um, this guy has just an unbelievable knack of getting by a player on the on the byline. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, it'd be different, it'd be interesting, but we don't know how close that is. It's been mentioned, all right, but um, who knows? Maybe we've seen in a car park somewhere between. Uh, <laughs> Great yeah. Baron, <laughs> whatever, exactly. Hansworth. Yeah, um, 
And then we had Bristol City's Nicholas Eliasson as well, Swedish, uh, Swedish winger, um, 24 years of age, wickedly tricky, loves a step over, absolutely loves a step over, loves to take a ball to the byline. And I mean to say that, like, we have seen, we haven't seen crossing like this guy. This guy can cross a ball. Now, he's limited in a lot of other areas of his game. From what I've seen, look, the requisite YouTube clips and so on, I can't claim to know that I know an awful lot about him. Um, but, uh, the, the, like, literally, he's, he can whip a ball in. It's not even that the, the arc of the ball, the, the positioning of the ball, the pace of the ball is fantastic. It really is. And Bristol City used him an awful lot last year for that purpose. He did have an awful lot of substitute appearances. He was that change of pace guy that I was crying out for last year in our run-in, that we needed a change of pace guy so that when people were coming off the bench, it was not very similar. But this guy's bread and butter is get it down the byline and whip in a banger of a cross. And, and he does have a fair, a fair right leg in him um, to cross the ball in. So like probably I would imagine like he's only one year left in his Bristol City deal. Don't know how much Bristol City can dig their heels in for for a big price now that they've gotten rid of their manager and all that kind of that that jazz. But, um, from what I read today, he's more or less told them as well that his international manager has told him in order to get a call up to the senior squad, yeah. he needs to be playing at a higher level. So, which is in the arse for Bristol City because they just oh. saw Chris Martin who thrives on crosses. All he does <laughs> is nod in crosses, you know. Yeah. So they're probably looking at at Eliasson and going. You couldn't have told us before we signed Chris Martin, could you? But uh, well, apparently it's uh, that's been from what I read. This was four or five months ago. He was told that so before lockdown. So um, it's it's obviously been in the balance since then. So um, this one will rumble on or it might go down to the last day. You can see one of Bristol City digging their heels in for more money, knowing that they will eventually have to let them go. So um, yeah, that one could be kicked further down the road with a bit of. Uh, a bit of negotiation, but they're talking lower money than what's been. I'd imagine so. Imagine around. around eight million, maybe something yeah. along those lines. You know, and look, we don't need just like strikers. We don't need just one winger either. We need multiple wingers. Like if anything, we need four attacking players. Uh, four attacking players, one central midfielder, one goalkeeper. That's that's what I, I'd be delighted with. That now that we've brought in Matty Cash, I'd be absolutely blo- I'd be over the moon with that. Um, ideally, I'd love a left a left back as well, but you know we can't be can't be too greedy. Um, well, you never know what's going on in the in the in the background, so you never know who you know, get offered on before. loan in the last day of, in the last day of the transfer window. Like that, remember the time we were supposed to be signing Leroy Fair? Tom Carroll came in instead. We had mm-hmm. a medically with Leroy Fair. He failed it. I think it was, or he decided he wasn't going to come. And Swansea said he doesn't want to go, but we'd love to get Tom Carroll out there. And they went. Fuck it, yeah. And then Tom Carr got injured and the drive up, you know, as is his way. Um, I don't even know if he's still playing football at the moment, Tom Carr. Presume he is, but um, he's he's a talent that was lost to injury, in fairness. And when we go back to actually talking about injury prone, we're talking about Callum Wilson. Tom Carroll might even might be injury prone. I think we could class him as that. Um but yeah, there'll be there'll be rumor after rumor. There'll be there'll be conjecture. There'll be agent talk. There'll be uh, teams just posturing, throwing out names to Rob Dorset and whoever else, uh, just trying to force other teams' hands and force other players' hands and stuff in negotiations. So the underhearted arts uh, or the underhanded, should I say, arts of transfer dealings um, are in full in full view at the moment. Um, and we, um, look, as I say, I think that we'll have a signing by the end of the weekend. 
I just have a funny feeling in my, in my so. bones that we'll have it as well. But um, yeah, so we could we come yeah. back to you quicker than you think. Before you finish up, Neil, we'd like to pass on our condolences to Paul McGrath, oh, lost yeah. his mother today. Um, I know he uh, his mother was his rock and his everything. So um, I'm sure Paul will be um, absolutely heartbroken, and our thoughts and prayers are with him. Um, as you said, the podcast is named after him. He's an absolute legend. And uh, anytime you see him in interviewed, he mentions his mother with absolute love and fondness. So I'm sure he's uh, really, really sad and really, really upset today. So uh, um, for Betty McGrath, God bless you. Absolutely. Rest in peace. Indeed. 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 Um, and look, that's a fitting way in, in tribute to, to Paul McGrath's mother to end the podcast today. Um, thanks everybody. Thanks so much to everybody for listening as always. You can catch Paddy on at Villa Paddy and catch the podcast here on Love McGrath Pod. And um, we'll probably be back to you. Maybe we might even be back to you sooner sooner rather than later if we've been signing <laughs> over the weekend. It's um, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back to you in 15 minutes if there's a signing. But uh, enjoy yourselves over the weekend. Whatever you do, do it safe. And uh, we're about three weeks away from Aston Villa kicking a football in Langer. We're going to get a lot of signings in. So be patient, and all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.